Hey mamas, it's Danielle back again with an amazing interview here. I'm here with Meryl Davids Landau. Hi, Meryl. Hi, how are you? Good, good, good. So mamas, just so you know, Meryl is awesome because she is not only a important blogger for Huffington Post on spiritual parenting, she's just released another book entitled Enlightened Parenting, A Mom Reflects on Living Spiritually with Kids. And We've got so much to talk about right now, Meryl, because the book says spiritually, um, but it is the range of topics that encompass parenting. I mean, reading the book just made me feel really calm and zen. And uh, I that was why I was so eager to talk with you. So I'm, I'm eager to jump in about the book. I'm eager to learn more about Meryl, the woman. So how about we how about we start there? Can you remember the days pre-children <laughs> tell us a little bit about Meryl the person Meryl the the woman outside of motherhood well well I think you know before I had children I was into a lot of what I consider to be spiritual pursuits and I'm glad that you mentioned that the book really covers a lot of things because I do define the word spiritually very broadly and to me, it really means anything that connects you to your center or to your, you know, your best self or your highest self or your calmest self or whatever it is. So before I had kids, I used to do a lot of yoga. I taught yoga. I used to go on different retreats with, you know, with different um, teachers and, and yoga people and spent a lot of time doing that. And of course, when I had children, a lot of that went out the window. So, which is what made me really turn to parenting as a, the thought of parenting as a spiritual pursuit. That if you're going to be day in and day out parenting, how can I bring some of the 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 tools that I used and the the calmness that I felt um, from doing those other things into into my everyday parenting. So, and I love to write. So, hence this book. And I have a novel that I wrote a few years back, um, also kind of a spiritual women's novel about a woman who didn't have kids um, trying to stay on her spiritual path in her daily life. And I'm working on the sequel, and she will have kids in the next book because <laughs> that oh. does throw an extra monkey wrench in there. Well, well let's talk about the monkey wrench. Um, the question that we're asking all the moms that come on our show is. Did you choose motherhood or did motherhood choose you? You know, I've always loved kids from the time that I was really young. You know, I couldn't wait till I was old enough to babysit. And <laughs> I just loved babies. I love little kids. You know, still, when I, anytime I walk into a restaurant or anywhere where there's kids, I run to the kids. And I'm not that interested in the adults. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, I always knew I was going to have kids. And um so, you know, when we decided to start trying, I was very um, excited about it. And my son came, we we started trying to get pregnant and he came right away. So <laughs> it was meant to be. My husband always says that was not really fair. Yeah. He, wanted, he wanted more time trying. He wanted a little more <laughs> practice round there. That's right. Understood. Understood. <laughs> Well, hubby, I'm sure you've had a lot of practice later on, but it, it is it is um, always good to have someone with a different perspective on the show because, as you know, Kate and I are, uh, I think we both say that motherhood chose us, and we're so grateful for that, um, but it is good to kind of get that other perspective of women that 
knew early on that motherhood was was one of the many angles for them. So because that's the angle you're coming from, Meryl, I'm interested when you when you go back to kind of the things that you used to do, uh, be it the yoga and writing uh, about other topics. I'm curious, uh, how did you manage that transition? Was it an easy transition for you? Do you recall? Or was it something that you struggled with? No, I feel like I definitely struggled. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I don't think anybody can prepare you for when you have kids, kind of the all encompassing, you know, complete, it's almost like, it's almost like you cross into another world, you know, and all the things you had time for and all the things that you love to do, you just, they're just gone. I mean, it's like in a second, the minute your baby is born, it's like all of a sudden, all you can do is keep your head above water <laughs> well, with, with your child and or with work and your child. And with, I mean, like, that's it, you know? So all the things that you love to do are really hard to do after that. And so, you know, for me, it was like, wow, like, I can't, I don't have time to do yoga. I don't have time to meditate. I don't have time to breathe. I, I you know, all I can do is parent. And, and that was a big adjustment, but you know, and you know, when, when your child is a baby, that's the worst in terms of the, the, the focus and the energy drain of parenting. As they start to get a little older, you do get a small amount of breathing room. And so, you know, it was kind of at that point that I said, okay, how can I really integrate some of these spiritual things that I love to do um, with my parenting? And some of that means involving your kid. Some of that means, okay, let's do family yoga and Mm. let's, you know, let's take a meditative walk together. Yeah. Um, because you, you know, you're with your kids, so you might as well do it with your kids. Well, but I'm very yeah. clear when I talk about those things, you're doing them for yourself. You're not doing them for your children. I mm. mean, to the extent that you're a better parent, it's better for your children. But it's not like I want to take a meditative listening walk with my child so that they can be more connected because most kids are connected already. I mean, mm. <laughs> they, they, you know, it's, it's the adult that needs to really work on it more. So the kids are connected. Do you think that there is a, I mean, I'm jumping in because there's just so much that I want to talk to you about. Some I agree with some of it. I'm like, come on, Meryl, this sounds a little bit so like touchy feely, but, but all of it, I'm curious to get (laughs) your, your position on. So when you talk about doing it for yourself, so if you're taking this meditative walk, um, one of the things you, you know, in the book is getting rid of the guilt. How do you envision how would you talk someone through kind of taking the time to do for themselves with their child and, and doing it without the guilt of, well, I could be doing something else for the child. So I think that there are two things. One is you can, you know, if you're doing them with your child, then there's really no reason to be guilty at all because you're saying, you know, let's go outside, which we all know is good for everybody and take a walk. And while we're doing, while we're in this walk, let's spend a few minutes just being quiet and listening to the sounds that we hear and feeling our feet with each step that we touch on the ground. Kids love these things. And, and so, you know, they're going to enjoy doing it. And, and for parents, it's just, you know, those kinds of things are just very centering. And so if you can, while you're walking, if you focus on your feet, touching the ground with each step and listening to the sounds that are always around us, but that we tend not to hear and really just feeling your whole body as you move through the space, that's going to really transform you in a very short, you know, in a couple of minutes of doing that. And then when you come back to 
interacting with your child, you know, doing whatever you're going to do next, you're bringing a much calmer, better person to that interaction. And so I think even when parents take a few minutes to do things on their own, which I also really do advocate for, um, I know uh, you've read my book. So towards the end, I talk about the things that parents need to do to nourish themselves. Yes. And I think get into especially that. moms, <laughs> yes. but when you, when you, when you take time to do something that really helps you center, even if you're taking time away from your child in order to do that, that's really beneficial for everybody, for the whole family. So no guilt. No guilt. There, there you have it, ladies. This is how you get rid of the guilt. No, um, Meryl has already alluded to her tool. I mean, there, there, there are two sections of which um, there's a toolbox and then there are all of these what I call tools as well at the end of how to take care of yourself or how to preserve yourself while, while mothering, while parenting. But I want to just speak to a couple of points that I thought are just helpful in general. Mm-hmm. And um, loving unconditionally was something that early on in the book you address. Um, but, but the way you phrased it as loving unconditionally is hard. Um, and can you speak to that a little, because I think that that's a habit that you just fall into as a parent. So, uh, displaying love only on good behavior. Can you speak a little bit more about that loving unconditionally? Sure. And I agree with you. It can be challenging because we hear so much, you know, from outside people, you know, you're that, that the parent feels judged when the child doesn't do, you know, doesn't behave well or has a tantrum in the restaurant or screams in church or, you know, just doesn't share in preschool. And we parents, we feel like somehow we're like, we're responsible for these things and our child is not behaving well. And that's a reflection on us. And I think that's what we need to let go of. Because if, if we are, if we don't feel judged when our kid does something that maybe isn't perfect in that moment, then we can feel freer to accept our child in that moment that they're doing it. I mean, we all, I mean, as parents, as, as adults, as women, like there's like a hundred things that I've done probably in the last few months that I'm sorry about, or that I regret not related to my kids related to talking to other people or doing things for other people or not being, you know, generous enough with, with somebody else. But we, but we have to forgive ourselves for that. That's part of being a person. That's part of being human. And we have to forgive our children when they do something that maybe we don't love because, you know, that's also part of being human. And so if we can just say, my love is not connected to how you're behaving or what the outcome is. My love is something that flows through me and out to you, no matter what's going on. And I mean, if you think think about when your child, when your baby was first born, you had that newborn placed into your arms that you know what that pure love feels like. Yes. And so I think parents kind of I think parents kind of have an edge in that regard because we can take that knowing and bring it into if we can just remember it and just take a second to I like to say, you know, everybody just close your eyes and just take a second to feel how you felt when that infant was first in your arms or on your belly or wherever wherever it was that you first made contact after the delivery. And feel the love that just poured out of you. And just next time you see your child, no matter what they're doing, just try to let that same love pour right out of you. Because it's the same love. It's the same child. You're the same person. You have the same love for them. Sometimes we just block that. 
you know, Meryl, um, I'm always honest. And, and one of the things that I, I challenged myself with reading while reading this book, um, was that there's a purity in the writing and there's a, an aspirational tone in the writing. And I think it's, as a parent, that's what I hope for is that I can be all of these things. But do you ever feel as though with, when you're talking an aspirational tone, that there's an opportunity for opening up the dialogue of, of judgment, of self-judgment from parents? Yes. And I, I, I tried really hard in the book not to, for that, so that person wouldn't feel like I was judging them. I tried to, you know, talk about, you know, times that I wasn't that proud of with yes. my own children. Yes. yes. But I, I think, you know, it's inevitable because we live in a society where we judge ourselves for our parenting. Yeah. And so instead of just saying, wow, you know, that would be a cool thing to do, you know, maybe the next time, um, you know, before we go to bed, I am going to, you know, do some kind of a little visualization with my child before bed. Instead of saying that, we say, oh, I haven't done that in all the years my kid was around and what a crappy mother I am. And I think we need to stop that. And the only way to stop that is just to stop that. It's just to say, this is bullshit. (laughs) Yes, very much. And I think that's that I I wanted to hear you say that because I I know that as I read it, I felt like everything was so right and accurate and just kind of like, oh, I want to do that. I want to do that. But then I would quickly go into the self-judgment mode, which was, but I haven't done it today. Um, and what's great is that you're reminding us moms and parents that are listening or even non-parents, cause this is, this is translational conversation, um, to just try again tomorrow. And I thought that that, that helps a lot. Try again tomorrow, try again in another minute. And there are going to be periods of every day. I think no matter how enlightened you are, there are going to be periods in every day and with your child where you're going to have moments that you just wish you could rewind and undo because, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, you weren't connected to your best self when you interacted with your kid in that moment. And I think that that the solution for that is to say, in the next moment, I'm going to just take a moment and try to connect with myself. There are so many like things I just want to talk about, but we only have so much time. So I'm just going to throw out some of the general topics here. Um, being creative, encouraging creativity, um, finger painting the yogurt, avoid competition. I mean, there were just so many things challenging parents to think about what the role of a parent was or is, um, having faith and not fear. So I just want to throw out all of the things I agreed with Meryl, but this is where you lost me. Let's talk about where you lost me. Parent day and night. I am currently sleep deprived, Meryl. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Help me through and I, this section. And I, debated, I debated when I wrote that chapter, I debated about 10 times whether I should take it out or not, because I didn't want parents to feel guilty. And I know that that is definitely a controversial subject. But it's one that, that I do feel strongly about in terms of as much as possible, parents should try to meet the needs of their children at night like we would not hesitate to do in the day. And especially when your kid is very young, I don't think they even know the difference between day or night. So it's like, sometimes I cry and mom runs to me and sometimes I cry and nobody comes. So from the standpoint of, you know, I wanted people to just really think about, are they doing as much as they can at night Mm. to really show their child that, you know, I'm here for you. 
Um, I, I did decide to leave it in the book, but with the full recognition that exhaustion does not make you a good parent either at all. And so to the, to the, <laughs> exactly. So to the degree that you can try to, you know, I do talk, talk in the book, how I, we brought the, you know, the bed and I brought an extra bed in our bedroom. And, you know, when our kid woke up, well, when they were younger, they slept in our room. But then even when they had their own rooms, if they would come in during the night, you know, when they were toddlers or whatever, they would walk in the room here, sleep in this extra bed or some people throw a mattress on the floor or whatever, so that your child can be with you. But you can also get back to sleep or, you know, when, when you have a very young child to, to bring the crib up next to your bed and take one of the sides off so that your child has an extra sleep space. That's not in your bed right on top of you. But when they wake up during the night, you can just put your arm out or nurse them if you're nursing or soothe them if, you know, whatever, so that they're, you know, they're there. But to the, to the extent that you can do it while still trying to get as much sleep as possible, I'm all for that. I'm not all for your child's down the hall, you're here, and you're getting up and running down there every 15 minutes. I don't think that serves anybody. Yeah. And, and what it made me think about too, was the way that the conversations had around, um, uh, sleep training. For example, my mother-in-law was visiting and we are trying to get our little one, you know, just to go down at night, you know, not even just through the night, just, just so that I can wrap my head around and maybe journal for 15 minutes or something. Um, and every child mm -hmm. is different, but I thought mm -hmm. was the, 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 the feedback she gave us was that, you know, maybe putting some soothing jazz. And I thought that, you know, it's actually helped us a lot. And as parents, you don't want your kids screaming. That's not the goal. Um, but you almost find yourself in a place of, I'm not sure what to do. So I think the, the suggestions you gave were helpful for people who are thinking of doing these things. Um, it gives them a suggestions. And like my mother-in-law gave us a way to uh, stretch our, ourselves a little bit, but also in a way that's soothing to our child. And I think that that's the balance everyone's looking for. Right. And every kid is different, which you just said, which I think is crucial because, you know, there are some kids where if you try to sleep train them, they might, you know, whimper for a couple of seconds and then go right back to sleep. <laughs> and then yes. there are, I have friends, I have friends whose kids did that. I didn't have kids who did that. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> you know, so so if it's if it's not traumatic to your child, you know, to try to let them fall asleep on their own or to try to let them fall back to sleep on their own if they wake up during the night, then great. But it's when it's really bothering the child. Yeah. And my, my kids were like that. They, when they woke up, they wanted me. And even if I tried to like stretch it out a little bit, like if I give him an extra two seconds and not come, maybe he'll fall back to sleep. No, they never, they, <laughs> they were consistent, but, but they, so I didn't want to, you know, I mean, it was just upsetting them what to, to, for them to not have me come. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry? Okay. Well, that I just needed, we just needed to have a heart to heart about that. Okay. As I, <laughs> as I, as I struggle with my sleep, but yes, I agree with, with give doing what's best for the child and the parent. Cause everything's going to be different. Um, Meryl, you had this toolbox. Let's talk about this a little bit. I, it almost felt like a mantra of, of, uh, an aspirational mantra of some sort. So you were talking about, um, total forgiveness, endless patience, strength, extreme courage and boundless love. Can you talk a little bit more about that toolbox? Well, I just think that it's important. I mean, I, I don't think a lot of us feel that we're those things, 
but we can feel that we're those things. And so if, if you just take a moment to say, I am endless patience, I have endless patience, I am full of endless patience, why not come from that place instead of coming from the place of I'm really short tempered and you know, uh, everything my kid does just sets me off. I mean, I think the way we talk to ourselves and the way we talk to other people about our parenting and mm. about our kids are so important. Um, and so if we can start from the premise of we have all of this boundless ability and why not try to bring some of it to parenting? You know, we talk about um, uh, uh, just how different situations can make us feel very differently. And if you have to get up really early in the morning because, you know, you have this terrible work situation waiting for you, or you have to get up really early in the morning because your your toddler's jumping on your head, you feel very differently than if you have to get up the exact same moment because you're going on this vacation somewhere wonderfully. You know, you jump out of bed at four in the morning when you, when you have to <laughs> catch an early flight it's to true. go somewhere good. So it's really your mindset. It's really, you know, how am I thinking about this? And so I just want parents to think about, you know, you have all of this ability. And so assume you have all of this ability when you approach, especially a challenging parenting situation. You know, if your little kid is biting or causing problems at school, if your older kid is not doing homework or, you know, whatever it is, when you're when you're coming into that situation, why not start with I have I can handle this. I got this. You know, Meryl, I, I, um, again, we're, we're pretty transparent on our show, so I don't mind sharing that I've had a, uh, a life coach for, um, a few months now. And I will be honest with you, had I not read this in the midst of that, these things would have been rather challenging for me because I come from a place of your, where you're trying to accept that there's all of this wealth of power and, how do you envision getting parents that are just exhausted and maybe haven't even seen themselves as this powerful to a place of even beginning to have this conversation with themselves? So um, some of the activities that I talk about in the book, I think are helpful for parents to just, again, you're, the idea is you're, I think everybody has this really calm place inside of them. And to me, that's connected to your highest self, but you could see it however you want. Um, I think, you know, I love the expression beside yourself, mm. because when you say, oh, I'm beside myself, really think about what that means. That means there's a self and somehow I got beside it. And so the goal in all of these practices that I talk about in my book is about trying to get back to your center, trying to get back to yourself. And so if you um, if you just take a few minutes to do any of these practices, whether it's with your child, without your child, whether it's breathing, whether it's just by yourself, I talk about in the shower in the morning, just feel like, you know, I'm a queen and the water is just washing over me and it's anointing me with love and with, you know, power. And I feel great when you walk out of the shower, you just bring a different self to to the next moment, to the next situation. So it's not about I've, I'm transformed and it's not about I have to reach some esoteric, you know, spiritual place that I can't get to. And it's not about I have all this time in the world to do it because of course you don't. And that's why 
in my book, the essays are so short because I know that parents don't have a lot of time to read. So, you know, you're reading one or two little short essays and then you go on your day. But if you can integrate some of these things a little bit in, in a few moments in the day, it can just make a big difference for how you are able to approach parenting, which is so challenging. There are just so many challenging moments in parenting. Well, let's let's um, talk about those in more depth because in, in full disclosure, as would have it, technical difficulties always happen, right? And now... <laughs> Knowing, not even knowing me that well, it's just kind of like, you know, you've had a rough uh, 20 minutes. How about we take some deep breaths? And I was like, you know what, Meryl, bring it on. Let's do this because <laughs> it's really, it's so easy to kind of just feel like you need to keep going. Um, and sometimes just taking the step back allows you to be a better version of yourself. So um, I wanted to just say on the show, thank you for that because it, it did help. And the great thing about what we'll talk about is that the section that we're going to talk about in more depth is called nourish yourself. Now, don't you just yes, feel better? And I think <laughs> <laughs> to me, deep breathing is just one of the easiest tools for parents to reach for in any situation. You know, we tell our kids, you know, go take a time out. We really should be telling ourselves, go take a time out, take a second and just do some deep breaths and, you know, long and slow and deep. And that really just your mind just refocuses on your breath and on the calmness that, that you have inside of you. I know when my um, kids were young, my son, who was very intense, would sometimes, you know, like sometimes like I had enough. I couldn't take it another second. So I would say, let's play hide and seek. And I would run and I would get behind a door, an open door, you know, a halfway open door. I would just like slip behind the door. So he would be looking, walking around the house trying to find me. But what I was doing was taking that moment to do some slow, calm, deep breaths so that I could be centered and relaxed. And by the time he found me, I felt like, okay, I'm, I'm ready. I'm back. You know, I'm not, I'm not beside myself anymore. So, you know, breathing, I just think is key and, and parents should really try to do it more often than they do. Well, before we go into our, our section, can we do a couple of deep breaths on the show so that anyone that's interested can be guided for a little, even if it's two breaths long? Sure. So again, it's just the idea is to do it through your nose in and out and to try to do it as slowly and calmly as possible. So you're just breathing deeply down in your abdomen and then you keep breathing and feel the breath coming up into your middle chest area and then continue breathing up into the upper chest. So we'll do that now. So just take a slow inhalation and feel your abdomen kind of puffing out a little bit and then continue breathing slowly through the nose and feel your rib cage expanding a little bit in the middle and then continue breathing and feel the upper chest filling and then slowly reversing through the nose exhaling, feeling the upper chest contract, feeling the rib cages contract, and feeling your abdomen pull in. And then you can just do like, you know, two or three of those is all it takes, really. And there's some just something magical about the breath. Well, I just finished. I, I clearly was taking my time there. <laughs> but, <laughs> But let's get into this nourish yourself. So 
Meryl, I mean, if we can even take a couple of uh, seconds for each of these areas, um, because what I love how you've been, uh, labeled them, um, but even if just to give people a little bit of insight into what they can read more about in the book. So um, the first one's wake up and inhale. I'm, and, and that's a perfect segue from what we just did. Um, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I do want to say, first of all, just on the whole chapter of the whole concept of nourishing yourself, I think that's really hard for mothers especially, because we feel like, you know, it's kind of like selfish or self-indulgent to spend time on ourselves. And I felt that way as well when my kids were first born. It's like, no, I have to either be working or, you know, running the house or I have to be with my child and I can't really take time for myself right now. And the problem with that is that you can burn out so quickly if you don't take even just a few minutes for the things that make you happy and the things that bring you joy and the things that bring you life, really. I mean, your children do that, but they can't do all of that for you. So I think it's so important that that parents don't see it as, you know, I'm, I'm being selfish, but seeing it as I'm really helping myself in a way that's going to make me such a better parent for my child. Mm. So wake up and inhale. Um, you know, the morning, I think, as in all spiritual teachings, the morning is a very important time. That's why people, you know, the Hindus get up and meditate before sunrise and, and people do all kinds of practices in the morning. Of course, for parents, the morning can be the, a really crazy time. So I found for me, if I just was like lying in bed, even if I had a child lying in bed with me, the second I would wake up, I would try to keep my eyes closed and not move. And then just take a couple of those deep breaths that we talked about to give myself a minute to really center myself. And if my kids didn't know I was up, they really would leave me alone for that you know, <laughs> couple of minutes. The minute I would open my eyes, you know, if my son was in the bed, you know, mommy's awake. And I was like, <laughs> it's time, you know, <laughs> there's no meditating after that. Yes. But, you know, if you can do it, really, if you, if you have a few minutes when your kids are, if they're sleeping or if they're in another room or a second or something, just take a few minutes. You know, I think when people say, oh, I'm going to meditate for 30 minutes, you know, like that's not going to happen. So you're not going to do it because it's going to feel so overwhelming. But if you say, I'm just going to sit for five minutes or I'm going to just stay lying down in my bed for five minutes and just do this deep breathing and relaxing and feeling my body, feeling the inside of my body. Um, when you wake up, you just start the day in such a different place than when you wake up into the craziness. Yeah. I mean, and they're like, I, I think that aligns well with, um, finding a sacred space was another one being emotionally uh, emotionally refueling yourself um you spoke a little bit to anointing yourself in the morning um can you give our readers a, a, you know is it is it just that much of just talking yourself to a positive place it really is just about how you think of things you know I, the, the reason why i um kind of noticed that is that when my kids were little you know i would dash into the shower in a second and you know, use, you know, whatever cheap shampoo and soap and hurry up and not even, you know, like while I was in the shower, I would think about all the things that I still had to do, you know, uh, what was on my to-do list or whatever. And so the shower was just this, you know, continuation of the rest of the craziness of the morning. And then I had to go on a business trip to New York and I visited a friend who had no children. And the most amazing thing for me was 
the shower. And it wasn't so much because my kids, you know, were not standing by the door, although that's part <laughs> of it. But, you know, she had this shampoo that just smelled so – I mean, she must have 30 things in her shower. She had shampoos and she had these fresh-smelling soaps and these, you know, loofah sponges and everything. And I just thought, like, wow, she is, like, really treating herself like a queen. And it just dawned on me, like, why don't we treat ourselves like a queen? Why, when we go into the shower, don't we just take a short period of time – the water running around, running down you is by itself is so cleansing and refreshing if we just focus on it for a second and just really feel like I'm a queen being anointed by the, by the beautiful smelling shampoo and by the water running down on me. And think about how you dry yourself when you come out of the shower. You know, it's like quick and harsh. And think about how you, how you, no, really, right? It is. Think about, yes. how, you, think about how you dry your baby. Yeah. How you pat them and how much love you put into that. Like, why don't we do the same things for ourselves? So mm. do. So do. That, hey, <laughs> so do. That might just be the new title of the show. So do. Um, <laughs> you also speak to um, old friends. Uh, how do you even make time for that? You know, you know, you can't make a lot of time for any of these things. I mean, all of these things are about a small amount of time. Yep. But a small amount of things goes a long way when you're really just trying to give yourself a little, you know, feel-good moment. And so, you know, you have these friends. When you have your kids, you stop talking to your friends. You start talking to... <laughs> You start talking to new friends who have kids who are the same age as your kids. Yes. And so they're in the same preschool or they're in the same, you know, mommy and me or whatever. And, you know, those friends are nice and they're lovely and they understand what you're going through. So that's all great. But your old friends share a history with you and, you know, you had fun times with them and you love talking to them. And I think it's really important to just make a little time. And, you know, today it's easier than ever. I mean, you can just send them a text. You can just send them a picture of you and your family and ask them to send the same thing. You can friend them on Facebook and just see what they're up to, just really to keep that connection. And if you don't have time, you know, to go for a leisurely lunch or if they don't live nearby, if you don't have time to go visit them now, I mean, those things will come later, but they won't come later if you let that friendship lapse. Mm. So I think it's just really important to just keep that up a little bit. And we've, we've talked about it on the show about trying to keep friendships in place, but it's good that you even see it as um, a form of self-care. It is a form of self-care and self-care is a form of good parenting. So it's a loop. There you have it. I love the loops. Anything to make myself sound like a good parent, I'm on it. One of the other um, key things you mentioned uh, getting us to this place was positive images. Um, And you talk about it in the book with regarding to children. And I think parents often are aware of that and very much attuned to the, the images and how they affect children, especially smaller children, right? But you're talking about for the adult. I am talking about for the adults. And that's something I've been aware of about myself for a long time, even before I had kids, that if I saw certain kinds of movies, you know, with a lot of violence in them, or if I read books that were really disturbing, it really disturbed my peace. It was really hard for me to meditate after that or to just feel grounded or connected within myself. So I really started to monitor, you know, what do I watch? What do I read? Um, even what artwork do I have around my house? Um, you know, what am I exposing myself to? 
that, like you said, I wouldn't want to expose my kid to these things. So why am I exposing myself to these things? And I think we do it because it's entertaining or we do it because these are popular movies or because our friends say, you know, they did it. But I don't know that that those are good reasons. I think we should really look at what makes us feel good, what makes us feel calm and centered. And how um, have you rectified that um, with the current space that we're in with social media being what it is? Because sometimes I open Facebook and the unsuspecting person that otherwise wouldn't post something, you know, profane or lewd or or maybe even just violent, um, especially in our current day and time, it's there. Um, have you thought about that and any tips? Yeah, that? I mean, you're not going to be able to protect yourself 100% from anything. But to the degree that we invited ourselves yes. by going to, to certain movies or clicking on a link, you know, I mean, our friends might send us something. We don't have to read it. Yes, it's we true. don't have to, we don't have to click on the link and, you know, look at the, the details of it. I think that, you know, to some degree you are going to be exposed to it because we do live in a culture that's just filled with that, but to some degree we bring it on ourselves. And so to the extent that you can control it, you know, try to control it. Pick up a book that makes you feel good, not a book that makes you feel creepy. Yeah, go to a movie <laughs> that makes you feel good, not one that makes you feel creepy, you know? Because... No, creepy is bad, generally. <laughs> that is a general fact that creepy is bad. You know, we, we might be entertained by creepy in that moment, but I don't think it really helps us stay grounded and connected to our best self. And when you talk about your best self, the, the one of the final things you mentioned was following your passions. Again, it, you know, as I read them, you're kind of like, oh, this is an ideal. But you're right. Like there are ways to incorporate it. Um, like us doing this podcast is me following a passion with my friend Kate, for example. Um, exactly. But, you know, I, I guess talk a little bit more about how you've been able to incorporate these passions, um, your passions. So the last two chapters of the book are fo- the last two essays are follow your passions and create. And I yes. see them as together, but slightly different. OK, so if you think about the things you loved to do before you had children, did you love to ski? You know, are you a speed freak? Do you get real joy out of doing something fast or do you love to 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 paint something or do you love to go and watch dance? You know, if you love to watch dance, probably going to your, you know, three-year-old's dance recital is not going to do it for you. I mean, it's fun, <laughs> but, but it's not really what, you know, what really gives you that, that level of excitement. So when you have children, of course, and especially when they're younger, you're not going to be able to follow your passions and to create to the degree that you did before you have kids or that you will do when your kids are older. My kids are older now. You know, I wrote a novel a few years ago. I could not have written a novel when my kids were babies. I just didn't have the mental bandwidth. Um, and I did, couldn't, didn't spend that much time doing something that, that didn't involve them. When they get older, you can do that. But when they're younger, you still have to do a little bit of that. And if you don't, I think you really start to feel incomplete. And so, you know, if you have a, if you have a passion like I was saying, if you have a passion to watch dance, then, you know, one afternoon or, you know, twice a year, get tickets to a, something, you know, playing in your community and leave your kids with your spouse and go watch that and do it without feeling guilty. Do it knowing this is something that really interests me. And I'm going to take a short amount of time, a small amount of time to put myself 
you know, ahead of the list of people in my household for that few minutes. And then the other thing is create, which for some people, that's their passion. But I think that all people, that everybody really needs to do something creative. And I use that word in quotes because then we tend to think of art or we tend to think of, you know, writing and making a podcast is creative. I mean, it's anything that makes you feel like you brought something out into this world. And of course, we brought our children out into this world. So that's our number one creation. Yes. But we also have to feel like we are bringing other things out into this world. So if you love to cook, you're not going to be able to have a dinner party for 30 of your friends where you make five courses like maybe you did before you have kids. But you can say, I'm going to bake something really elaborate with or without my children helping me, depending on how old they are, you know, once a month or once every couple of weeks or whatever. Um, or I'm going to do something. If I, if I don't have time to write a novel, I'm going to write a short story. I'm going to write a poem. I'm going to write a really interesting Facebook post that I spend a lot of time crafting. I'm going to do something that really makes me feel like I'm bringing something out into this world because that's what makes us excited. That's what makes us tick. And I think that we have to really honor that. You know, people talk about indulging your passions. I hate that expression <laughs> because you're, you're not indulging. That makes it sound so, you know, outlandish. And it's not. It's something that you really have to do to make you a complete person. And when you're going to make the loop again, when you're a complete person, you're a better parent. I'm, I'm just listening to this because it's, you know, it, it's speaking to the things that Kate and I are, are always talking about and kind of thinking through. So this, this has been ex- extremely insightful. Um, I'm curious, Meryl, do you think you are, are in a place where you've started to kind of achieve all of these uh, self-care tools, um, means of nourishing yourself? Not all of the time, okay. no. And there are times when I, you know, other things come to the fore and take too much time. Sometimes they, they require that much time. Sometimes I make things take more time than they should. And so that cuts out the amount of time that I have for myself. But I really try as much as possible to try to bring small moments of things. If I, if I, if I don't have time for something big, um, to just do something small for myself because Again, I think that it's so important. And as your kids get older, you definitely do have more time. I mean, my kids are older now. I have a lot more time than I, than I used to have for, for, to, to take care of me. But even when they were younger, I learned you have to take care of you. Oh my gosh. You know what, Meryl? Let's just, let's just end it there. You have to take care of you. That is, that is where we're going to, to, to wrap up because you, I think that's the one thing that all of our, our, all of our listeners are aiming to remember. I think we all know it, but we're, we're leaning on each other to remember that that's actually important more, maybe even the most important thing, even though it seems like it, it often falls uh, short. And one of the, one of my favorite quotes that you have in your book um, is that everything is, un- is unfolding perfectly. And this whole book is a sense of calm. And while it, you know, at times I was struggling with feeling aspirational as I've, I've confessed to you, I, <laughs> I am very much so glad that I read it because it speaks to me wanting to be that version of mother. And I can only do that by doing these things as far as nurturing myself and nourishing myself. So 
just want to say thank you, Meryl, for taking the time to write this and share it with us. Um, if you can let us know where our mamas can find you. So um, I do have a website, MerylDavidsLandau.com. Of course, you can also find my book, Enlightened Parenting, on Amazon. And I do blog about spiritual topics and spiritual parenting topics at Huffington Post. And we will be sure to share all of that in um, show notes for our mamas. But I just want to say thank you, Meryl. Thank you for bringing my, my anxiety down today. I really appreciate you. <laughs> and, and I will say that anxiety is something that takes you away from your best creative and peaceful self. I, so I'm a better person go. for our chat today. And um, with <laughs> all of the topics that you have in your book, there's so much that we didn't even get to cover, but we'd love to have you back on, maybe talking more in depth about some things because all of this information is really helpful for us and hopefully to all of our listeners. So we just want to say thank you so much, Meryl, for your time. And everyone, make sure you check out Meryl's website and look out for her book, Enlightened Parenting. Thank you, Meryl. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, mamas. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Go Ahead, Mama. Please let us know what you thought. Shoot us an email at letstalkmamacita at gmail.com. Also, you can reach us on Facebook at Go Ahead Mama and Twitter at Go Ahead Mama. And as always, I want to send an awesome warm shout out to my co-host Kate. Kate, you rock. I want to send out a shout out to myself, Danielle, you rock. Thank you. Thank you. And of course, a shout out to our awesome producers, The Mediocre Parent Show. We love you guys. Thank you for all that you do. And as always, if you have any thoughts, suggestions, comments or you just want to vent about being a mom please get in touch with us we want to hear from you we love you all and we can't wait to hear from you talk soon